This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdahl, and my guest this week is Bob Berg. Bob is a Hall of Fame keynote speaker and best-selling co-author of The Go-Giver and The Go-Giver book, of, book Series. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast, Bob. Hey, Nick. Great to be with you. Yeah, so I ask every single guest one question at the very <laughs> beginning, and it's, mm-hmm. what's one thing people might not know about you? Oh, gosh, probably that I'm I'm very much an introvert uh, to the to the point of being a hermit. <laughs> and and where has that always been the case? Uh, it, it's always been my nature. But, you know, of course, I've, I've had to be out out and about in the world and I've been able to, you know, to deal with that and manage that. But uh, my energy is definitely derived from being by myself or, or with a very close, you know, uh, group of people, family and so forth. But, um, you know, so, so, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's something I've, I've had to work at, at dealing with, but eh, you know, it's been fine. Just a part of life. Just, uh, I, I love that. I, I, I would think, a lot of people don't realize that's that others are introverts. So for an example, my wife is the most outgoing introvert you probably yeah. would meet where she would uh, go to a, go to an event and um, she would be the most talkative person, but at the end of the event, she would be drained. And for yeah, me, well, so, I, so I can, no, I can relate to that. Um, I, I wouldn't go out of my way to talk, but I would engage in conversation and be, you know, the person that most people would say, wow, that's the friendliest guy. What a, you know, a, a polite and a, a uh, you know, a engaging person. Absolutely. I, but at the end of the night, uh, I'm exhausted and I just want to go, you know, and it's the same when I speak and I can speak in front of thousands and thousands of people and that's fine. I mean, I will feed up the ener- off the energy of the crowd. I love meeting the people. That's great. But when I go back to the hotel room, I'm out, I'm zonked. I just want to, you know, I have to recharge. So yeah, that, that's very relatable to me actually. Wow. That's, it's so interesting how the mind works. Um, yeah. Isn't so, it? Isn't it? Yeah. So going back to, um, the go giver, uh, I, I actually, uh-huh. in, in, and I, I reached out to you and, because I, I love your series. I love, uh, we'll talk more about your books, but um, I first, before I got into podcasting, I started doing book reviews back in uh, 2014. I actually wrote two book reviews. Uh, one that was The Go-Giver, one was en- Endless Referrals. And uh, I, I just Thank thought you. it was interesting when I came back to the books at, on my bookshelf, I was like, you know what? This would be a really cool interview because it still focuses on customer service and customer experience. Sure. I mean, it's really all about the other person, about how to focus on bringing immense value to others. Yeah. So with the first book that I want to talk about is The Go-Giver. So what what made you want to write that book? Well, it it sort of came off of the Endless Referrals book, which you mentioned. The, the Endless Referrals book was really a, a system, if you will, for how 
entrepreneurs and salespeople who they had a great product or service, they believed in it, they knew it brought exceptional value to others, but they may not have felt confident going out into their community and developing and creating those relationships with people that would cause people to want to do business with them personally, directly, and refer them to others. So it was really, you know, a how-to book on on how to do that and how to develop relationships to the point where people felt so good about you. Uh, they felt as though they they knew you, liked you, trusted you, wanted to see you succeed, uh, wanted to do business with you if they, of course, needed what you what you offered and wanted to to refer you to others. That that's what the book was really about. Um, however, I'd always read parables, business parables, since I'd been in sales and I always loved them. Uh, I believe that stories connect on a, on a heart level, you know, a heart to heart level in a way that a, a traditional how-to book doesn't, which doesn't mean there's not a, a time and place for, for both genres. It's just that there's something very special about a parable that really connects like that. And whenever I'd read parables, I always felt a, you know, a, a special connection to the author, to the characters and to the message. And so I thought, wouldn't it be great if we could take the basic premise of endless referrals that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust and put it in parable form. So in coming up with the title, uh, I simply asked myself, what is it, you know, what's the essence of those people who are able to, to both quickly and sustainably create those no like and trust relationships and it's that they're givers they're they're always looking to give value to others to make it about the other person and the other person's success and of course as they do this they themselves profit greatly um so but so calling the book the go giver was the easy part uh the best thing I did for the book, though, was asking John David Mann, who at the time I knew only as my editor uh, of a uh, of a magazine I used to write for monthly. He was the editor in chief, and I got to know him through that, and I got to know the reputation he had within people within a, a very specific niche about for being a brilliant, brilliant writer. And so I, I asked John if he would be the lead writer and. Um, uh, storyteller <laughs> uh, of the book because I again I'm a how-to guy right I'm step one step two step three I knew John could make this thing sing much more than I could and and that's and that's correct and uh, that's really how the the Go Giver came about. Yeah, and and for the people that don't know about the Go Giver, maybe give them a quick high level about what the book is about. Sure, it's a it's a short uh, parable uh, about a guy named Joe who's an up and coming. Uh, you know, ambitious, aggressive, really out there to, to try to make it happen. But he's very frustrated because the results he feels he should be getting, right? He's not getting at all. <laughs> and uh, he's he's in danger of, of losing his job because he's, you know, he's not meeting quota again and so forth. And he, uh, you know, finds a, a, a mentor that is able to kind of guide him and help him shift his focus and teach him the, the basic lesson of the go-giver, which is that shifting your focus, and this is really the key, shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving uh, in this context, Nick, what we really mean is simply constantly and consistently providing immense value to others, understanding that when you do this, you know, not only is it a more um, fulfilling way of conducting business, it's the most financially profitable 
way as well. And not for some, you know, woo-woo way out there, magical, mystical, you know, just feel-good reasons. Uh, Not at all. It actually makes very logical sense, very rational sense. When you're that person who can take your focus off of yourself and place it on others, helping them solve their problems, helping them get what they want, what they need, what they desire, helping get them, bring them closer to happiness, helping them feel good about themselves and the situation. When you're that person, people feel good about you, right? People want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to be in relationship with you. And, and Joe, yeah. you know, lived happily ever after, which is what happens in parables. And I love that though. I, I think there's a lot, lot to be said about that. You know, when even in customer service or customer experience, people want to oh. feel known and valued and oh, in customer sure. service. Nobody's going to call and say, Hey, just want to let you know your product is amazing and hope you have a great time. We'll talk to you tomorrow. And I'm going to give you a five star on Google or wherever else. It's mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I want to feel known and valued and I want my problems solved. And so how do you do that in the least amount of effort in customer service and add value to them along the way? So maybe even answer some questions that they didn't ask. So, hey, based off of what you just said, some other people might be feeling this or they had issues with this. So solving that problem, that additional problem, that next step. So continuing to add value like Joe does. Nick, I, you know, I think you brought up just such a great point in that people want to feel listened to. They want to feel valued. I mean, this is basic human nature. You know, it's, um, it's amazing that when, you know, someone can have a bad experience and I mean, you know, everyone's human and there's going to be bad experiences. Sometimes a product's not going to work. There's going to be a something, you know, um, and you know, someone can call up and, and complain. And, you know, you hope people do it in a way that's kind and courteous, but again, we're talking human beings. So that's not always the case, but how often have you seen as a, as a teacher of this, that when you can just empathize with this person genuinely, authentically, and let this person know that, yeah, you, you're upset about it too. You feel terrible that they've had to experience this and this must've really been inconvenient for you. And so it just totally turns it around. And, you know, that problem didn't seem to be so big a problem anymore to that person. It was more the feeling of the problem. Now, of course, we also need to take responsibility and get it fixed and make sure everything's fine. But you know what? You could do that in a cold, calculated way, and that person's still not going to feel they had a good experience. So it's all about the personal connection. That's right. And and it's all about listening to them in that moment instead Mm -hmm. of over trying to over talk them and say, well, fine, I'll just do this. Well, you didn't actually hear me out. You didn't acknowledge what I'm saying. You didn't understand what I'm saying. So you shouldn't be able to resolve my problem. Great point. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in chapter three, you have a quote that says, "Your, your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. And we kind of touched on that. Can you go in a little bit more detail what that means? Yeah. And I, and I think when you first hear it, it's a bit counterintuitive. Give more in value than I take in payment. I mean, is that sounds all nicey nice and everything, but isn't that a recipe for bankruptcy? So <laughs> we, we simply have to understand the, the difference between price and value. Uh, price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. It's, uh, it's finite. It simply is what it is. It's the price. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the 
end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings so much worth or value to another human being that they will, uh, in the business sense, willingly exchange their money for it and be ecstatic that they did while you make a very healthy profit. Uh, you know, we could we could say uh, uh, you hire an accountant to do your taxes and she charges you $1,000. That's her fee or literally her price, $1,000. But what value is she giving you in exchange? Well, through her her ex- years of experience, uh, her knowledge, her wisdom, her getting to know you and focusing on what what you're looking to accomplish, you know, through her work, learning about your company, learning about the special intricacies that are specific to you, she's able to save you $5,000 in taxes. She also saves you countless hours of time. Uh, She also uh, provides you and your family with the security and the peace of mind of knowing what was done correctly. So she gave you well over $5,000 in use value, right, Uh, in exchange for $1,000 price. She gave you more in value than she took in payment. So again, you feel ecstatic about it, right? You received a lot more than what you paid for, but she also made a very healthy profit because it was, it was, um, to her well worth it to exchange her time, energy, expertise, and so forth for that thousand dollar fee. In fact, in any market-based exchange, uh, meaning no one is forced to do business with anyone else, there should always be at least two profits, the buyer profits and the seller profits, because each of them come away better off afterwards than they were beforehand. But the key, Nick, and this is, excuse me, the, the big thing is that this didn't happen with the accountant because she was focused on her fee. She was focused on the immense value that she was providing you. And the money was the result. This is why John David Mann and I say that money is an echo of value. You know, money is simply an echo of value. It's the thunder, if you will, to values lightning, which means nothing more than that the value must be the focus. The value comes first. The money you receive is simply a natural result of the value you provided. Man, I want to dig just a a little bit deeper into that because you said a couple of things. You said service and and value and cost. And then you mentioned just a little bit, you said peace of mind. And when it comes to peace of mind, is it the, when you're paying for something, you know you're going to get a service in return, but how important is that peace of mind to that customer? So there, there are, when we talk about value, the value that you provide to another human being through the sale itself, through the customer experience, uh, both, what, what have you, okay? There are two types of value. There's intrinsic value and extrinsic value. Intrinsic value is the type of value that is provided and received through the natural function of the thing. So in other words, a, an accountant by by the the title of their job is supposed to save you money okay or or have, do your taxes or do your taxes in such a way that it's legal and ethical and saves you as much as possible that that's what they do that's the intrinsic value a realtor is supposed to help list your home doing all the things they do to list a home or or sell a home or what have you though that's the intrinsic value and it's important but it's the extrinsic value which is what separates and distinguishes one person or company 
from another. And that extrinsic value is, is the value that you bring to the table that makes it so worthwhile for that other person. Uh, and, and it does that, that is all about you. That's it's, it's you who brings this. Um, the, the, the neat thing is that there are hundreds of ways <laughs> to add this kind of communicate this, this additional, this extrinsic value, but they tend to come down to five, what we call elements of value. And these elements of value um, are excellence, consistency, attention, empathy, and appreciation. Okay. And to the degree that you're able to communicate one or more, hopefully all five of these elements at every single touch point, that's the degree that you have, again, distinguished yourself from the competition. You've taken price out of the equation, right? And you've made this uh, an experience that this person will will remember and feel great about. And not only will they remember and feel great about it, but they'll refer others to you. Ah, ah, yes, exactly. Exactly. And so are those elements the same as the five laws? Uh, no, all those elements are actually within the law of value, the first okay. law. <laughs> so the five laws from the go-giver are the laws of value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. Okay. And, and why are those your five laws of stratospheric success? Well, what John and I found, and, and you know, John and I have both uh, been in business for years before we met, okay, and, and uh, we both not only were entrepreneurs, but because of the different work we did, he is an author and, and myself as a, as a speaker, we both got to meet some of the most successful people in the world. You know, we were doing this all the time, it, whether he was doing a feature on someone or I was speaking at an event, and right? And we know, and so we're, we've both been students of success and, um, and we, you know, when we, when we really were talking about the book and outlining the book, we were talking about those things that people have done since time immemorial for as long as there've ever been market economies, <laughs> you know, and, and there were certain things that people did. And if they did these, and by the way, many people just did them intuitively. Right. I mean, not, nothing that John and I talk about in the book is particularly new. Right. These are all principles that have been around forever. We just named them a certain thing and we presented them in a certain way, but not, none of it's new. But people who did these five things were successful. And if if people did not do all five of these, they could reach some level of success, but they never reached the type of stratospheric success that we talk about in the and the uh, characters talk about in the book. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes.
I love those and, and I'd love to continue to, to keep digging further, but we only have so much time. So want to continue to add value to, to the listeners in uh, pushing you into more of a, a different questions. You mentioned the endless referral book. Um, there's a bunch of questions that you can ask to receive endless referrals, but what additional questions can you recommend my listeners ask for these referrals? So, so let's look at questions in a couple different areas. One is when you're first meeting someone and you're first establishing a rapport and beginning a relationship with someone. And some of the best questions you can ask are what I call feel good questions and feel good questions are, are, are simply questions that by their very nature are designed to make this person feel good about themselves, feel good about the situation, feel good about, about you. Um, they're not prospecting in nature. They're not salesy in nature. They're not intrusive. They're not invasive. They, but they very, very quickly establish a rapport. You know, too many people, when they meet someone in a business setting, they think they've got to overwhelm this person about their product or service, have their great elevator speech. Here's the thing. When you first meet someone, Nick, their level of interest in you or in me or in anyone other than than themselves can be really, um, uh, really um, communicated in three words. They don't care. Okay. They care about themselves. (laughs) So the yeah. best thing we can do is shift the conversation onto them. You know, when I was in, in sales and I used to sell on the phone quite a bit when I first started, and I'll tell you something I noticed, and I noticed this fairly quickly. Nobody ever hung up the phone on me while they were talking. It was mm. really an amazing thing. And it's the same in person. It's the same in Zoom. If you let the other person talk about themselves, they're going to consider you to be the most fascinating conversationalist they've ever, they've ever met. Okay. And it's going to very quickly create value in their mind regarding you. Uh, So, uh, you know, just a couple of questions that can be asked is to, uh, let's say you're meeting someone by the name of Gary who sells copying machines and you just say, Gary, how did you get started selling copying machines? Or a, a more edifying way to ask might be, how did you get started as an office products professional? And this is a question that's certainly not um, particularly clever or slick. I mean, it's a pretty mundane question. How did you get started or how did you get your start as? But it's a question people love to answer. You know, I call it the movie of the week question. Uh, you're, you're making this person the star. You're giving this person an opportunity to share his story. And, you know, most people do not ask this person how, how they got their start and to tell them their story, right? Uh, this person's own family has probably never asked them that question. And here's you who they first met, who rather than telling him about you, trying to sell him your hats, right? Like everyone else is doing, you're actually asking about him. And he's going to love answering. And we need to actively and authentically listen. Uh, the, the next question, sort of a follow-up question to that. And that is to simply ask, uh, you know, what do you enjoy most about your work? It probably sounds like, wow, you must've had some fascinating experiences over the years. Uh, what do you enjoy most about your work or what do you enjoy most about what you do? And again, it's a feel good question. It elicits a feel good response. Okay. Uh, and he's very quickly feeling very good about, about you. Now you've asked a couple of questions. 
And I've got 10 of them in my arsenal, but but you'll never have time to ask all 10, and nor, yeah. nor should you, even if you have the opportunity, because that would get, you know, but, but just a, a couple of qu- questions. But then the next question to ask is what I call the one key question that will set you apart. This is not a one of the feel-good questions. This is its own separate question to be asked only after the initial rapport has begun to be established. And it, and it sounds like this, Gary or Patricia, uh, how can I know if someone I'm speaking with is a good customer for you? Wow. I mean, you have just asked this person something, again, no one else has ever asked, but the way you've asked has basically created a frame for their answer to help you to help them. And they understand this and you very quickly become someone of value to them. Now, you know, this is just a thumbnail here, but that's, but those are, if, if you begin with those questions, you'll be amazed. And by the way, if the person's not in sales per se, you'd simply ask, you know, the same other questions. How did you get started as, what do you enjoy? But then the one key question would be, how can I know if someone I'm speaking with uh, would be a good connection for you or would be someone you'd like to meet? By the way, a good way to frame that question is to start with, you know, Gary or Diane, you know, I, I always love connecting good people with other good people. Uh, tell me, how can I know if someone I'm speaking with uh, is someone you'd like to meet? You know, I mean, just, just, you know, using the principle. Now, let's go to, let's, let's go down the line to where you have a relationship with this person. Let's say this person's a customer. Okay. And, um, and, and this person's a very happy customer and, uh, you feel very justified in being able to ask for referrals. They know you, they like you, they trust you. They've had a great experience. It's a very, it's very simpatico. Okay. So the first part of, of asking is really getting their, attaining their buy-in to the referral process itself, rather than just going right into asking for referrals. So I call this the referral bridge or the bridge phrase. In the physical world, Nick, a bridge is simply a medium, a structure that we'll call them a medium that helps transport a person from one safe piece of land to another, okay? The referral bridge or the bridge phrase is a phrase that helps transport a person from one safe piece of land to another, uh, from the no like, and trust relationship to the place where you can ask for referrals in a way that both you and the other person is very comfortable, okay? So, the, the referral bridge uh, can be said a, a couple of ways. So, so here's basically what I say, but of course you and, and your listeners will, will modify it to their own unique style. But, but I would suggest sticking with the principle. And it, it, it sounds like this. Uh, Anne, let's say Anne is your client. Uh, Anne, as more and more of my business comes to me through uh, referrals and introductions, I find it's helpful to partner with my clients and friends such as you. Can we take a few quick minutes and run past the names of some other people I might also be able to help? Now, just going through this very quickly and, and why this is so, uh, why this is uh, so effective. So you say, uh, and, and by the way, you could start off by saying, I'm in the process of expanding my referral business. But I, I like to say, uh, as more and more of my business comes through referrals and introductions, because again, you're making it natural that that's how you, right? That's how you do business. I find it's helpful. So again, helpful, not Desperate, not that, you know, helpful to partner. Partner is a key word. You're giving that person who already knows, likes, and trusts you buy-in and ownership into your mission to partner with my clients and friends such as you. Now, the next part's key. Can we take a few quick minutes and run past the names? Now, this is what I call fast language, uh, quick language. It's not that you're saying it 
quickly, but the words you're using imply correctly that you're not going to take up a lot of her busy time. Listen to these fast words or quick words. Can we take a few quick minutes and run past? Okay. Then the names of some other people, I might also be able to help. Why do we say might? Because we always want to make sure that this person understands that there's never any pressure you will ever put on another person to do business with you because not everyone's going to be interested. And you want to make sure she knows there's always an out or a back door, that emotional scape hatch. So we're never going to make her look bad, right? <laughs> Which is what so many people will, will fear. So so again, you know, while as more and more of my businesses uh, is now a result or coming to me uh, through referrals and introductions or as however you want to say it or um, or as um, I'm expanding my referral business again, however you want to frame that. I like the first the first way uh, I find it's helpful to partner with my clients and friends such as you. Can we take a few quick minutes and run past the names of some other people I might also be able to help? OK, so you've got her buy in and now is is the time that uh, where you're going to ask for referrals. But what most people do that is kind of counterproductive, and I know this because I did the same thing before I learned differently, is we'll ask, who do you know or do you know anyone who? And the challenge with this is this person probably knows hundreds of people, directly or indirectly. So when we say, who do you know or do you know anyone who, a collage of you know, 250, 300 people go dancing past their mind, but they can't identify anyone. And remember, they want to help and they want to be part of this. And they they know it's a great product or service. They want to help their friends, right? But we've put them in a position where they can't think of anyone. And now they kind of, you know how the mind is and the memory is, you begin to put pressure on yourself and now you can't think of anyone. And now they say, well, I can't think of anyone right now, but when I do, I'll let you know, or I'll call you, which probably isn't going to happen. Right. And so we want to make it very easy for them. And I learned this about 40 years ago, uh, from Tom Hopkins classic, how to master the art of selling. And he only devoted a half a page to this, but I'm going to tell you, it is just, it's remarkable. It's so brilliant. It's one of those things I I wish I thought of, but never would have, but I'm glad Tom did. (laughs) And what Tom suggested was to, rather than leaving it so open and difficult, we want to create the, we want to create the environment for them to, to succeed. Okay. So we want to help them. And so, so what we do is we gently funnel down their world into small groups of people they can easily picture in their mind's eye. So just very quickly, a couple quick examples. Uh, We know Anne is an avid golfer, okay? Uh, Because she's told us this, we've gotten to know about her. We see the golfing trophies and her, you know, whatever it happens to be. And uh, we say, Anne, I I know you you love golfing or you're an avid golfer. She says, oh yeah, I play it every, you know, Sunday afternoon. Uh, Do you play with different people every time or kind of the same force. Oh, same people every Sunday afternoon. Uh, you know, Harriet Brown, um, Michael Cloud, Dr. Mary Ruart, the four of us, we have been golfing buddies for years. Boom. She has just now identified and named three people. So now we say, uh, do you 
feel that uh, Harriet or Michael or Dr. Mary, uh, do you feel any of them would be interested in or open to or would like to know more about, you know, whatever it happens to be that we, we sell? Now, maybe yes, maybe no, maybe all three of them, two of them, one of them, none of them. It doesn't matter. We've created the context for victory for her. We've helped her to come up with names. She now knows she can do this. So let's go to another frame. We know she's a member of her uh, local business and professional women's uh, club chapter. Uh, now, we don't say, is there anyone in your chapter who, because it could be a very, very big chapter, right? So no, instead we say, is there anyone in your chapter who you're particularly friendly with, or you sit next to every time, or you serve on a committee with? Boom, we've given her, right? And so now she's able to say, well, you know, there's two people that come to mind. Well, boom, now we ask. And so we can move to whatever frame we wish. And we always want to know what we're going to ask before the appointment it's, it's itself. But, uh, but so that's basically a way of asking questions that will help position you to attain the referrals you want. I love, I love these questions. And I love the fact that they're thoughtful and they're not what status quo would do. It's not huh. sitting in and going to a networking event and saying, hey, what's your name, uh, Bob? I can see in your name today, <laughs> right? And, you know, tell me yeah. what you do. Okay, great. Uh-huh. And they're waiting for you to respond back. So yeah. uh, I, I love how you're thinking through the process. And I love how you funnel kind of down and, and direct them. You can even push it and say, hey, do you know of anybody in Columbus, Ohio with this sure specific title that is dealing with this specific exactly. pain point. But yeah, it depends what you do that, you know, it might be somebody who has colleagues, they're in HR or something like that. So it might be members of their HR association, or it might be somebody at another company that who's there. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're absolutely right. So you always want to frame this based on how it would work out regarding that person. You're, you're totally spot on. I love it. Is, is your success that you've had to date predicated on the questions that you've asked? Uh, I'd say predicated on the questions I've asked myself <laughs> regarding what I was doing and what I needed to learn. And it was once I really came to the conclusion that I did not know anything. <laughs> and that, uh, and I, you know, I love the, uh, the phrase that's attributed to Mark Twain, which I don't know if he ever said, but it sounds very Twainian. So kind of he, you know, how if something's very wise, it can be attributed to Twain or to Franklin or, to, you know, what have you. But so I don't know if he ever did say this, but he's credited with it. And it, it's, it ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you're absolutely positively sure you do know that just ain't so. And that was me. And, and you know, that was young Bob Berg. And so it was once I asked myself the right questions and realized that, no, all these things I'm sure I know are just not true. I was ready to then ask other questions that would lead me to, uh, you know, to, to creating that context for success. I love it. So I, speaking of questions, I ask every guest Two questions, Bob. So the first one is what book or person in customer service or customer experience or in general, I'll, I'll spread it out. I'm not going to funnel it down for you, but okay. that has influenced you the most in the past year. And then the second one is if you could leave a note to all customer service or customer experience professionals, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m. What would it say? So the first one, you know, there are so many really great customer experience people out there and their books are wonderful. I think Shep Hyken's work is great. Mm -hmm. uh, Joey Coleman's. Uh, there's just a bunch of really, really great people out there. Uh, one of my favorite customer experience people is Nancy, who works at the Juno Beach Cafe. 
where I have breakfast uh, on the weekends. Uh, and that whole, the whole team is amazing, but Nancy is just extra, extra special. You know, when I, uh, uh, usually my mom and I go there on a, a Saturday morning date, which we, we had, you know, mother son date, which we haven't been able to do, of course, since COVID. So now I, I bring back the, uh, the food to her and, and my dad, my dad really at 97 can't leave the house at this point. And so mom and I usually, and so we bring back, uh, oatmeal for my dad. And there are two big, uh, you know, pl- uh, styrofoam cups of it. And Nancy always writes a note on it. Always. First of all, she's wonderful anyway. This is just an added thing she does mm-hmm. that she writes a note, you know, hi, dad, we love you. We miss you. Enjoy your breakfast. And she puts a smiley face. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's wow. amazing. And now when I go in to pick up the food to bring it back to my family until until, you know, COVID's mm-hmm. over, um, she still writes the same same things and she always does it a little differently and there's always a smiley face on hey, th- this is a person who you talk about a customer experience we just adore her okay so yeah i think that's you know that's a, a she's a great example well um, just to pause you on that it kind of goes back to your chapter three so she's adding more worth mm-hmm, more in value than she more in value than she takes in payment yeah and i and i tip her really well so you know she, <laughs> <laughs> which helps uh, no, but, but here's the thing, but she, what I mean is she was doing that yeah. before she knew that I was going to tip her really well. You know what I'm saying? So I tend to tip well anyway, but when someone is like Nancy, they get tipped very, very well. But, but her, you know, she was doing that before she knew that, you know, <laughs> that that's just who she, it's who she is. Yeah. You know, Nick, it, it's who she is. And because it's who she is, it's what she does. She does that for everyone. You know, Got it. but yeah, she's wonderful. Uh, what would I tell a customer service person that one piece of advice, uh, you, you know, I'd have to say that to never let, um, for lack of a better word, compliance <laughs> stand in the way of making an experience great for the customer. And, and I know there's certain things, obviously you can't do. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying break the rules of the company. Obviously you're, you know, but I'm, I'm saying, Think, you know, really think and feel. Don't be the bureaucrat, okay? Don't be the bureaucrat who defaults to this is how it's done. This is our policy. This is the way it is. Don't default to that. Default to you are the most important person in the world right now. And I'm going to do everything I can to make sure you feel good about yourself, about this company, and about me. I love that. Bob, what's the best way for people to connect with you? Uh, best way is just to visit my website, which is Berg, spelled B-U-R-G, dot com. And there's a lot of goodies there and resources. Uh, so, yeah, we welcome everyone to join and hang around and have fun. Great. Bob, thank you so much. I've learned a ton. I enjoy your books, and I highly recommend everybody go buy the series, buy the adversaries versus allies, which we didn't get a talk, chance to talk about, buy yeah. the uh, endless referrals and uh, follow him on, on social and, and go to his website. So Bob, thank you so much. Nick, thank you. You're awesome. I appreciate you. Hey listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing this episode with them. And last, if you would like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, you can go to press1fornick.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press One for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. 
Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.